Good morning, everyone. Before you take your seat, why don't we give Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, the biggest round of applause that we can give today. We honour you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. We glorify you. You are worthy of all the praise in Jesus' name. As you sit down, tell someone beside you, it is good to see them in church today. So good. Thank you, team, for leading us in worship this morning. So blessed by that time together. And uh, yeah, I just uh, really am so honoured to be with you guys today and, uh, you know, speaking in the church that's being led by one of your heroes is an exciting thing. You know, Jack already said it. uh, He came to Lifehouse 25 years ago. It was actually 25 years this year. So we brought him back up in June, uh, he and Carol, and uh, they spoke at our uh, mission uh, mission space where we gather around. And uh, it was a 25-year reunion for us. I was 16 years old when Jack first came, and uh, he spoke a message to a church that was then, uh, I would say, we had a, a, an, an idea of the church that we wanted to be. We were a church that thought about the community a lot, but after Pastor Jack was with us, we became a church that believed that we were on the earth to see the gospel go to the nations. And so I want to thank you, Pastor Jack, for the uh, kindness that you and Carol have shown to C&I personally and to our entire uh, Lifehouse community for the consistency over the years. I tell you what, the older I get, the more I am blessed by someone who has gone before me that is consistently following Jesus with humility and grace and purpose and not letting up. I don't know if you... uh, No, I'll tell you this. You are more passionate today than you were 25 years ago. And when you spoke 25 years ago, I almost fell off my chair and so it's still going and it's still great and what an honor and a blessing it is to have uh, lots of the Lifehouse male staff with me this weekend and the spouses of the female staff are here this weekend and you got to think about it it's like this if you what happened was nine months ago Dougie and I said let's do something this year that gets us out of our comfort zones And so he said, right, we'll go canyoning in the Blue Mountains you know what that sounds like that sounds like a good boys weekend away which is not always easy to get over the line, right, with your better half. Babe, I want to go canyoning with the boys for a weekend down in Blue Mountains. I've never done it before. I've got no experience. I don't know if I'm coming back. You've got to have some, you know, you've got to have some in the bank. You've got to have some, what's that called when you have something in the bank? Not cat, credit. You've got to have some credit in the bank for that, all right? So, I mean, my world, I'm fine. Jake's world, I'm not so sure. So we needed to really find a way. So what happened was when Pastor Jack invited me to come down and speak, we went, well, we're not going to ask our wives for a weekend away canyoning. We're going to ask our wives for a weekend away ministering. I mean, that, that even sounds good to your wife. You say, babe, I want to go away for a week. The pastor's asked me to come away for a ministry trip down to the Father of Missions Church. What an honor and a blessing. And so here we are. And uh, it is an honor and a blessing to be here. Just before I get into the word today, uh, this gentleman right here who is not looking at me for this second. What's your name, sir? Harley, you know, when I was worshipping and uh, I asked Jack if I could give a word and you know, I really just sense God's put a strength on your life in a way that is unique. It may not be reflected in what you see on a platform here, but he's got a unique way for you to outwork the purpose that God has put you on the earth for. You may not outwork it here on this platform, but you will find that purpose in this church. And so I just want to encourage you just to, just to don't look at 
other people's church experiences and go, I don't fit in, so this mustn't be for me. I'm telling you, God has got some strength that he's put on you. And the other word that came with it was meekness. Meekness is a word that people, you know, they, no one wants that word associated with them, but meekness is reserved strength. It's like I have the power to do anything I can in this moment, but I'm going to be gentle. And I saw a great gentleness in your heart to bring along uh, those that uh, didn't have the strength to do it themselves in their own mind, but you brought out like this belief within them that, that they could take another step. And it wasn't like, oh, I've got the strength, so I'll pick you up. It wasn't that. It was like you brought out a strength within them so they could live the life they were called to live. So I just want to encourage you with that, Harley. And, uh, and come on, church, let's encourage our brother in Christ there. The good news about the canyoning weekend is that we survived. And I reckon that is how you know if you had a good canyoning weekend. You lived to tell the story. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, one of the things that we Pentecostals love to do is we love to talk about the new thing. Who loves the new thing? Six of you. I love the new thing. I am very pleased when I get the new thing. In fact, once I've got the new thing, I want another new thing. Because the new thing is no longer new once you've got it. Everyone loves a new thing. We, we, we sing songs about the new thing. We prophesy about the new thing. I am forever preaching about the new thing. And it's true. There is never a time when Jesus, or I'll say it in the positive sense, Jesus is always wanting to do a new thing in your life. But friends, sometimes we need to be reminded that the new thing that Jesus wants to do will always be outworked through the thing that is unchanging about Jesus. And that is what he released to his disciples in the scripture that we just read. And that is that we would be building what he is building. What he released the church to do, or those followers of him to do 2,000 years ago, is still the thing that he wants the church to do today. Let me say it like this. The purpose of the new thing that God wants to do in you is to better equip you for the unchanging thing that Jesus is still doing on the earth today. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then down in verse 18, we read this. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Can someone say amen? You know, there is a direct connection. Listen to this. There is a direct connection between aligning your life with the eternal mission that God has for his church and the growth of your personal faith. Let me say it to you like this and it'll be on the screen. When you align your life with what God is building, God commits to building you. Whether you're sowing in of your finances, 
whether you're coming alongside a friend and asking if you can pray for them about certain things in their life, they share something, whether it's sharing your own personal testimony about what Jesus has done for you, whatever it is for you that causes you to step outside of your comfort zone, whenever you land in that place is when your faith is activated. And when your faith is activated, you find yourself leaning more on Jesus than you can lean on your current resources or past experiences. Now, I found that as human beings, we love to lean on our current resources or past experiences. Current resources mean what I've got in my hand right now. Past experiences, I've done this before, so I know I can do it again. The moment you step out of that place, you find, what have I got to lean on? I don't have my past experiences. I don't have enough resources. I'm going to lean on Jesus. And friends, it's been proven over 2,000 years that when your life is lived leaning on Jesus, you grow in your faith. It's the going on mission that keeps us growing in our faith. As you go, you will grow. It's good because it rhymes. Now, after being in the role that Pastor Jack mentioned as a youth pastor in Lifehouse for eight years, and then coming out of that role, I was asked by my senior pastor, who's great friends of Pastor Jack and Carol, Stephen Bev Spence, and uh, he was he asked C and I to leave Coffs Harbour and plant a church in a town called Moree which is in northwest New South Wales. Now, at that point in my life, I didn't even know where Moree was. Uh, I, lived on, I live on the coast. I'm a coast person. I, I don't venture more than about 10 or 15 k's away from the coast. And, and so I typed in Google, well, you know, where, where is Moree? And it was then that I learned that Moree is 450 kilometers west of Coffs Harbour. Uh, that's just a number to you. Let me help you. There is no beach in Moree. Now, it might be a real big impact for someone who lives in Penrith, but when you live in Coffs Harbour, and there's no, it, that, that's a big deal. Three months before we left Coffs Harbour to take on this mission that we'd been called to, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that voice that he does, and and in a way that at the time I wished he hadn't, and, and he said, before as you go to Moree... Don't take the wage that Lifehouse is planning to give you. There was a structure for how a wage was going to be planned out as we were planting a church. And, and I remember responding to the Holy Spirit saying, oh, good, we're going to plant a really generous church. And it was instantaneous that I felt the Holy Spirit say, no wage from Coffs Harbour, no wage from Moree. Now, at the time, that really rattled me because now I'm already out of my comfort zone with my past experiences. I've never planted a church before. And now he's removed the thing that I thought, well, at least I've got my resources and I can, you know, and, and now I'm right out of my comfort zone. And it was in that space that I lent in. I went, okay, well, if we're going to obey this word, I'm going to have to find a way to get some employment. And it was only because of that need that I discovered that there was a chaplaincy position going at the local high school in Moree. Thankfully, I just finished my chaplaincy training. I applied for the job. That job had been open for nine months. No one had applied. No one was applying. I walked straight into that job. It was the easiest job interview I ever had. They basically walked in. They checked for a heartbeat. They said, you're in. 
And what that meant was that we, we, we needed to move. And anyway, so when, when we finally got there, we did all the things. I'll come back to the story later, but I want to tell you this. On November the 18th, 2012, in the local PCYC building, we launched our first ever Lifehouse Moree service. So exciting that if you think, well, that November 18th, yes, that's right. Two weeks ago, we celebrated our 10th birthday as Lifehouse Moree and doubled up the celebration by opening our local uh, a building that was generously donated to us. All glory to God. There we are. There is our beautiful church in Moree. Now I tell you this story because going on this mission, having this personal experience, I can say testimonially, has had the greatest impact on the growth of my faith. And I want to say to you today that it is the going that best positions you for your growing. I witnessed what God promised that he would build and all the power of hell would not be able to stand against it. I witnessed him build his church and in the process I experienced him building me. I asked Pastor Jack if I could say this next line. I texted him. I said, Jack, I, I really, I've got this line in my heart that I want to share. I feel like it's for your church. And I said, can I share this? He said, yes. Yeah. So from my perspective, that means not only has he given me permission to say it, but it's kind of him saying it as well. And this is the word that I have for your church today, and that is this. The greatest experiences of your faith will not take place within the walls of this building. Friend, they will take place as you step out into the mission that God has called you to. We come to this environment, why? Because it's a taste of heaven. What we get to do here, we, we get to worship together. Yeah, you can put a CD on your car. A CD, that's funny. You can, sh- yeah, yeah, that's let me include everyone. You can put a tape on in your car. Like, you can worship by yourself whenever you want, but worshiping together, there's nothing like it. That's why we come together. To come together around the, world, around the world, there's no other time like it. But friend, the mission that we've been called to is what the rest of our week is all about. This is a special time so we can keep going in what God's called us to do. And friend, when you build what God's building, God commits to building you. Let's give some context to this in, the, in, the real, in your real life because Matthew 28, 18, you know, it tells us all to go. But friend, we know that the application of that scripture isn't that we all are supposed to be going to plant a church or we're all supposed to be going to be missionaries in a foreign nation. So what, how, do we, how does this come out in our life? Well, this is what I would say. What this scripture, while it may not dictate what you actually do, it does put us all in the same boat of being people who are called to live with a missional mindset. As one of my friends puts it, we are all called to make the Great Commission our personal mission. So if you're not planning a planning on planting a church or you're not planning to be a foreign missionary, let's answer that question. How do you live with a missional mindset? To answer that today, we're going to go to the book of Acts and read from chapter 16, uh, reading from a story that you'd be familiar with, I'm sure. It's about Paul and Silas. These guys, they are fully on mission. They are living lives, fully submitted to Christ. They are doing what God has called them to do. And then almost without warning, they are arrested. 
They are beaten severely, the Bible says, with rods. They are dragged into the inner dungeon of a jail cell and they are locked in chains. Now, my first response to this is that, God, if I'm doing what you want me to do, I'm not doing necessarily what I want to do. I'm doing what you want me to do. And while I'm doing what you want me to do, as best as I can do it, how is it that you have allowed me to be put in this scenario? It seems from an external perspective that everything that they were aiming to do has been instantly derailed. You just put yourself in their position for a moment because a friend I know, while you've not been in the inside of a Roman jail cell with your feet in stocks, you have been in a scenario where everything that you thought was spo- you were supposed to be doing has been derailed. What do we do when we hit these type of moments? You can imagine their anger, their frustration and all the other feelings that they must have felt. And I think we would be graceful if we read in Acts 16 that Paul and Silas were furious. But we don't read that. In Acts 16.25 we read, Around midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Now, I've preached on this passage many times and I've preached the message that if you want to see a breakthrough in your life when you're in a position where you didn't expect to be, then you've got to keep worshipping on your way to a breakthrough. Friend, I believe it. It's true. But what I've come to realise is that this passage has got nothing to do with getting out of prison. I've come to realize that this passage has got nothing to do with getting out of the circumstance. Come with me. Paul and Silas, they're in jail, they're praying, they're worshiping, they're singing loud. And this is opening our eyes to understand. I want to give it to you right now. This is the secret to living with a missional mindset. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Beaten with rods, thrown into the deepest, darkest part of the jail, feet locked up in stocks, given nothing, given no sense of release or anything like that. And they're sitting there where I would be sitting there thinking, now how do I get out of this situation? Friends, they're sitting there thinking, How do I connect the gospel with this captive audience? Later, Paul would write to his apprentice Timothy and he would say in 2 Timothy 2 verse 9, And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. That's the bad news, good news. But the word of God cannot be chained. Friends, you've got to see this. I'm in, he's saying, I'm in a jail. I've been beaten. I am in the worst position that I could be in, but I'm in a great position. Why? Because the Word of God cannot be chained. I am willing to endure anything, he says, if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. No one would begrudge Paul and Silas if all of they wanted to do was get out of their jail. But friend, their response shows they're not thinking about how to get out of jail. They're thinking, how do I get the gospel into jail? 
They're not thinking, how do I get myself out of this circumstance? They're thinking, how do I bring the gospel into this circumstance? They're not thinking about, uh, what, what we need to get, it's so dark, we need to get out of this darkness. They're thinking, how do I bring the light of Christ that burns within me into this place so that eyes will be open and everyone can see? When we live with a missional mindset, our eyes are taken off focusing the situation that we are in and we spend energy thinking about how do I bring the gospel into whatever situation that I am in? Because you do, like Paul and Silas, have an audience. You know, after securing the chaplaincy job, I I got a start date, which meant that We had a date to move. And it was then that as we were right out of our comfort zone, we were were getting ready to go that we ran into this significant hurdle, one that was completely unexpected, moving from Coffs Harbour to Moree. And that was that in January of 2012, which is the year we moved out there, there had been a flood that had gone through the town, a one in a hundred year flood that had subsequently taken place four more times since then, it had taken place in the town and, and what it, it had done is it had taken out so many houses that just locals were living in. And because there's, you know, it's a small town, there's not a huge amount of tradies living there. There was so many houses that weren't being lived in. So the rental market was completely consumed by locals. There, there was actually people living in hotels while they were waiting for their house to get repaired. So that when we started looking for what we would rent when we moved to Moree, we quickly found that there was nothing available. Literally, there was no rentals available. And here's the thing. There was a line about 50 families long, and a family coming in from outside of town was not going to jump the queue for the locals. When you're in a small town, locals rule. And so we started... Praying, okay, God, you're going to open the door. You're going to make a way. If I'm stepping out for you like this, you're going to come through with a miracle. Friend, I still believe that with faith. But my experience was that as the time got closer and closer and closer to the start date for the job as a chaplain, I realized that nothing was becoming available. And so we decided as a family that because God had clearly opened a door for us to be in that school, that we would go. And so I packed up my family in a single birth caravan that was donated by Luke, one of my, uh, on team with me at Lifehouse, his father. You know, he, his mum and dad, he said, they said to me weeks before when everyone was sort of praying for this, for this rental to come through, he said, you know what, if the rental doesn't come through, you can always use my caravan. And we all stood around and laughed. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, wouldn't it be something? Oh, well, see you later. Anyway. About three months later, here we are driving over the range from Costa Bramori. And in October 2012, that's where we moved into the local caravan park. I don't know if there's a picture up there. My kids were a whole lot littler then. What my wife and I, we slept in this single birth caravan, and the youngest son slept in the in there as well with us on a king single bed. And the three other kids slept in the annex. You know, at that time I was wondering, God, where are you in? all of this and how are you letting this happen when I'm stepping out to do the thing for you that you want me to do more than I even want to do it? And it was then that I discovered that, yeah, I shouldn't say then, 
It was only a couple of years later that I discovered that Moree wasn't a town filled with people sitting around praying that someone would come and plant a church in their town. Most people don't think about people who don't know Jesus aren't praying and hoping that someone will come and plant a church. In fact, when someone does come and plant a church, they get very suspicious about what that person wants. You know what I discovered? I discovered that by living in a caravan, the town warms to you very quickly. I couldn't have known this before we went. I thought that this was the thing that was the roadblock, friend. This was the thing that opened the town's arms to us as a family. Acts chapter 16, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the, in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in their household. And verse 34 finishes by saying, And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Friends, when your focus is taken off getting your out of a situation and your focus is put on bringing Jesus into a situation, you will ultimately, God will lead you through every situation. But I tell you what, there'll be a trail that comes with you of salvation. And that's what we see in Paul and Silas's life here today. Uh, Think about it. The chains fling off. Now, if you had any doubt that this story was about anything else except the gospel, you would go, if if their chains fell off, if the security is about to remove themselves from the equation, then obviously if it was about getting out of jail, they would say, thank you, Jesus, you've opened the door, we're out of here. But instead they say, stop, this isn't about us getting out, we're actually all here, this is about something else. When you live with a missional mindset, you are not looking to get yourself out of any situation. Friend, instead you're thinking, how can I bring the gospel to light in my life through this situation? So how do you get this missional mindset? Paul speaks about that in Acts 20, 24 with one of the most confronting and encouraging scriptures that you'll read when he says in Acts 20, 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the purpose assigned to me. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use my life for the purpose to which I've been assigned. Finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. And for Paul, he says, that work's pretty simple. It's getting on board with the mission of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Let me say it like this. My life is worth nothing to me unless I live it in full submission to Christ. Now, I grew up hearing this word submission and over my faith journey, it became something that you were proud to be to being something that nobody wanted to be. It's like submission has gone through this, traveled through time to become this word that no one wants to be associated with the word submitted because it makes you feel weak and passive. But friends, just listen to the word, submitted, submission. The word literally means to be under a mission. When Jesus is telling his friends or his followers, which he called friends, when Jesus is telling us to go and make disciples, he doesn't just say, righto, I've done my bit, you boys get on with yours. 
He says this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All power and authority has been given to me. You know, this is what you need to know. If you have any source of power, it comes from something. It comes from a source. If you have power, it comes from something. It doesn't come from yourself. It comes from something. Real power, right? So listen to this. When we live in submission to Jesus, it literally means we are placing ourselves under his mission. And when we place our lives under the mission of Christ, then we too have full access to all power and authority that was given to him. When we form the mindset that the Great Commission is someone else's mission, or maybe the church's mission, friend, I want to tell you the consequences are as predictable as Israel's frustrating journey through the Old Testament. In the very last book of the, in the very last verse of the Old Testament book of Judges, we read this: Judges twenty-one twenty-five. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Israel wasn't supposed to have a king. It was supposed to be under submitted or under the mission of the one true king, right? Here it says Israel had no king, so everyone just did whatever they just did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. They pursued what they thought was best for them. They used their energy what they thought was best for them. They spent their money where they thought was best for them. And now we follow the story historically to one Samuel. And in one Samuel three we read this. Now in those days. What days? The days where everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. Messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. How discouraging of that is a scripture. We need to get this because it's confronting and empowering. When our lives pursue something that takes us on a different course to where God is going, we take ourselves out of the lane where God is most active. Visions were rare. Words from the Lord were quite uncommon. Genesis chapter 1, I'm coming to land this and the team can come and join me. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. But, or it says, and... The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. You know what I love about this picture? This picture is still active today. This is not a historical account of something that took place however long ago. This is actually a picture that we get to see to understand that wherever there is a human soul whose life or whose soul is formless, empty or filled with darkness, friend, you have to know that's where the Holy Spirit hovers. What changes the story of the world is God speaks. He says the famous words, let there be light. When we place ourselves under the mission, then we too have been given all power and all authority to make the same declaration, let there be light. For the person that you're praying for, their soul's empty, dark, void, whatever it might be, you determine the picture. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, that's where He's hovering. You know whether you find the miraculous? You find the miraculous when you go on mission. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the most active on the edge of where He's never been. Just allow yourself to think about that for the moment. He's hovering over the waters. He's active. 
perspective right on the edge and God says, let there be light. And it's like the whole thing explodes with His presence. Living with a missional mindset is saying this, Lord, whatever circumstance I'm in, let Jesus be seen in it. Let the light that shines from your word be seen in me. And friend, I tell you, when you're building what God is building, God commits to building you. It was in a couple of years later that we lived in that, well, we lived in that caravan and another van, another story for another day, two vans. We planted the church while we were in the van. We are in there for six months. We ended up getting a rental property and the story just continues. We didn't receive a wage from the church for three years. I, could, I wish I could tell you how miraculously God provided for that. But all I can say is when you commit to building what God is building, God commits to building you. It was a couple of years later that we were able to buy a block of land and in Moree we built a house. It took 17 weeks to build because many of these well, not these particular guys, but many mates came over and helped me build a house in Moray in 17. And all I can tell you is this, when you commit to building what God's building, God commits to building you. Where's your attention? Where's your focus? Where are you looking at, friend? It's not about getting out of any situation that you're in right now. It's about bringing the grace of God into your life, right where you are, so that the gospel can be a light shining through you. When you align your life with what God is building, God commits to building you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word to us today. Your word brings life. Your word brings hope. Your word meets us where we're at, but never leaves us where we're at. Lord, right across this congregation, I know there are people here today. And Lord, they're considering the next step of their life. Father, I pray that the words of uh, of Paul might just resonate in their heart. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the work assigned to me. Lord, let full submission reign in the hearts of your people today to be fully under the mission that you've given us. Lord, let us not look at any situation that we're in as something that we have to bail out of. But Father, let us be people who are willing to worship you in that situation and see your light shine through us in a way that brings salvation to people that we otherwise would have never had the opportunity to reach. Lord, the testimony that we heard about the fire impacting the the the, the, the main headquarters of, of West Care, Lord, and, and how that opened a door, Lord, they're just in your kingdom. These things, they don't align. They don't make sense to us. But God, you will use any situation where so Someone is submitted wholeheartedly to you to bring your glory and your salvation in the life of someone else. So Lord, I pray that every single person in this building this morning, every single person watching online would be reminded today, my life is all about the mission. The Great Commission is my personal mission. And as I pursue that, I know that God's going to build me. He's going to build my faith and He's going to make my path straight. I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Imagination Church.